Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. It is opening day eve. Oh, what a beautiful day. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is Wednesday, March 27th. Adam Azer, Heath Cummings, and Chris Towers. Yeah, I kind of I felt it this morning, guys. This was the first time I got really excited about baseball. We're just one day away. Um... Our, our last show, well, I guess tomorrow as well, but our last show before we get to really break down the games, we get to preview some matchups, give some week one advice, that kind of stuff. How you feeling today? Are you guys ex- as excited as I am? So you're more excited today when there is no baseball than on the two days where there were previously games that counted. Oh, the Japan games? <laughs> yeah. Come on, that doesn't count. Don't, don't, don't say it like that. that doesn't it, was a, it was a beautiful moment with Ichiro's final mo- game. Yeah. D. Gordon was crying. You say Kikuchi was crying. I was crying. No, you were not. I, was... di- I didn't cry. Uh, uh, yeah, I did. By the way, do we have breaking news about something that makes Scott White cry? Yes, it sounds like Babe, the movie, he cannot watch without crying. And he gave a glowing review of the movie. I think I probably... Is, is that the... the the uh, follow up to Charlotte's Web. I don't. I don't think they're in the same <laughs> uh, cinematic universe. You know what's wild? Babe, Pig in the City was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. This is not the one that makes him cry, though. There's that a- is the one that makes him cry. Pig in the City. I would assume it's Babe, Pig in the City. It's it's subtitled Pig in the City. I think it's Babe colon Pig in the City. Hey. Fernando Tatis made the opening day roster. <laughs> That's not as important as Babe. Yeah, I think those the are city. different movies. Yeah, Babe, Babe's Pick of the City, I think, is the sequel. Uh, anyway. Okay, then just Babe was nominated for the Oscar. I'm sorry for spreading fake news. Okay, uh, so I have an email. I have two emails about Fernando Tatis. So he is going to be the Padres shortstop. This is very exciting. Scott said he is number three on Scott's prospect list. This is a bit of a surprise. Jose Arias is being sent to the minors. Luis. Hey, Luis Arias, excuse me, being sent to the minors. Now, Tatis is the youngest position player to start on opening day since Adrian Beltre in 1999. And in the minors, uh, career 280, 358, 487 slash line with 42 homers, 63 steals, and 86 attempts. Pretty good plate discipline. Had an 845 OPS, uh, in his career in the minors, but 877 in 2017, 862 at double A in 2018. He has not played above double A. So, okay, first question before I read the email, which is about Fab. It, I obviously, Tatis is a must add in like a middle infielder league, in a deeper league. Is he a must add in just about any format? Yes. Yes. Okay. Any format. What, what are your expectations? Yeah, I mean- my expectation for him would be something like 2018 Ian Desmond, and I know that might not sound super promising because nobody wants to draft Ian Desmond, especially on this show, but he was the number 66 player in Roto last season. He was a starting caliber player in head-to-head, 80-plus RBI, 80-plus runs, 20-20 season. I think batting average is probably where he hurts you, but in terms of the counting stats, I think Fernando Tatis is going to be very good. I'm just... I'm a little worried he might be more of a 250 hitter as a rookie. I don't 
like the word expectations when it comes to Tatis because that doesn't really have anything to do with why I want to add him. Right, right. I'm, I'm, that's kind of like the most likely outcome. Because there is a range of outcomes from him being a top five shortstop and a borderline first round pick next year to him striking out 35% of the time and getting sent down after three weeks. Sure. Because he has had some strikeout problems in the majors, but the profile is very exciting. I ranked him as my number 13 shortstop, I believe, right in that uh, Glaber Torres, Paul DeYoung range. But I do think he has more upside than both of those guys. He's just far more likely to lose playing time at the end of April. By the so the Glaber Torres, Paul DeYoung range, so you're saying he should be drafted between 55th <laughs> and 190th. Yes. Yeah, and he'll steal more bases than them. So, you know, that if you need speed. So you would drop, like, Ahmed Rosario for Tatis? Yeah. 100%. Right. Yeah. But what if it were, like, a deeper league where you know if you dropped Rosario, you couldn't get him back? I'd rather have Tatis. He's much, much, much more valuable. Yeah, I, I think that. So I, I'm viewing Tatis as someone who should be drafted in the same range as... Gleyber Torres and Paul DeYoung. <laughs> I was going to say Eloy Jimenez. Uh, I no. think his profile might be better for fantasy. The thing is, Eloy has the the carrying tool, and it's not actually the power; it's the the contact ability. But and in terms of power, him and Eloy, Tatis and Eloy actually look very similar. And the thing that I struggle with is the fact that Tatis is so much younger than Eloy makes him a more exciting prospect, and maybe gives him a higher ceiling eventually. But t- Eloy is more ready for the major leagues right now, we believe. Oh, well, right. My, yeah. m- me saying Tatis might be a be- better fantasy prospect has nothing to do with that. I, I do think the age plays a part, and but it's the stolen bases. Eloy's not going to give you anything there, but if you're playing in a roto league, Tatis has 30-30 potential. Um, I probably don't think he'll hit for the batting average that Eloy can, but I think everything else can be similar, except the stolen bases are going to be a lot more valuable. Okay, just... Two other notes here. I mentioned it, but he hasn't played above double A. So, you know, got to keep that in mind. And he, look, I'm looking at rosterresource.com. All they do is guess. They got him batting eighth. Very, uh, you know, easy to see him batting toward the bottom of the order, at least at the start. So that is something that could hurt really in a points league. Like we saw that with Gleyber Torres last year. Gleyber Torres had a very good year, but he didn't score that many points because he didn't have that many plate appearances. So, Something to keep in mind. If he hits well, there's no reason why he can't move up in the order. And there's no reason. Like this Again, it's just a projection. They have Ian Kinsler leading off. So, you, you know, you never know. Uh, here's an email from Jackson in Milwaukee. How much of your fab would you be willing to spend for Tatis? We have $100. We have $0 bids. And I need a shortstop bad. I gave a very different answer than Chris gave. I said uh, like 13 to $15, I said. Chris said like $30 on Tatis. And that to me is just... A difference so, of how I would spend fab. Uh, it's a long season. You're going to be making right, but here's my so many now. transactions. Yeah, here's my question. You want to save fab for, let's say, a really good prospect who gets called up, right? Not really. I is a save... better prospect coming? No. I mean, I want to save. You fab... want to save your biggest fab move for? Uh, I guess it's I just not don't really. Someone who exp- I, I don't really see like I don't I don't see baseball the same way as I see football. Where like oh. Jamal Williams got hurt or something, spend it all on Aaron Jones. I think baseball fab, you have to spend, you're going to make so many transactions that I, it's rare for me to spend I, big on one player. No, I, I agree. You're never going to spend it on a free, or on, on an injury replacement, but what, okay. with the big 
prospects, like Juan Soto last season. Right. I, I don't know that, that he was, was a thirty dollars. You should bid. have spent a ton. Of, I mean, you should have. Oh, he was well worth thirty dollars. He, yeah, he was, but, but nobody way, spent way, it. Way, way more value. But that's only because we didn't True. really know how good he was because he hadn't really played. Fernando Tatis is the number three prospect in baseball. Actually, number two in most lists right now. Uh, Scott White's number three fantasy prospect. A profile that looks really, really good for fantasy. Well, let me ask you this. Right? I, think let me this ask you I think this is what you spend $30 on. I, I think you go to 35 I actually, like, I, so when I told Jackson in email, I told him like 15 and he said, wow, Chris said 30 I said, I can't really disagree with that. I think it's just a philosophy thing. But let's say someone dropped Glaber Torres. How much would you spend on Glaber Torres? I don't know that I would even spend 30 bucks on him. But that, so again, it's just a, uh. Well, he doesn't just, have the same upside. Okay, but I, I don't rank the same. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. Um, yeah, come on, he was, a, he was like, like the number one prospect in baseball. Yeah, he, he was really, he doesn't have the same stolen base potential, but, but yeah, I think you would spend 30. Like if, okay. I guess so, you're probably spending what? 13 to 15 bucks in an auction on a 10th round pick? Right or an eighth round pick? Yeah, it's a two hundred sixty dollar budget, not a hundred for a full. Sure, season. but a hundred. But your fab budget's also a lot less valuable than your auction. All budget. right, so I'm going to sum it up. How much would you spend on a guy like Labor Torres if he were dropped? That's how much you might want to spend on Fernando Tatis. It just depends on how aggressive you want to be. If somebody spent thirty something bucks on it, I wouldn't do it, but I think it's perfectly reasonable. Uh, I, I have one it. league with because I was able to add him in our podcast listeners league. Just because I had second waiver priority and the first guy didn't choose him. And um, one of my favorite moments of the For the People podcast league was when we drafted him last night. And there was <laughs> yeah. silence from Team Scam <laughs> while they Googled. And then, yeah. oh. Yep. yep. Yeah, Heath, Heath and I were texting. And Heath was like, they're definitely going to take Tatis here. And when they didn't, I just texted him all caps. Dum-dums! <laughs> yes. And yep. I in the one league I have with weekly ads where he's available, I've bid 31. Okay. Uh, this is an email from Jared. Would you rather have Fernando Tatis, Pete Alonso, or Luke Voigt? Uh, Tatis and Alonso. Tatis. It's just one. If, if I have to make one, Tatis. Okay. More big news. Uh, Jose Ramirez should be ready for opening day. I'm, a, I'm on the clock in a league right now, and Nolan Arenado just went third, and I have the fourth pick. I should definitely take Jose Ramirez, right? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Makes me feel better. Carlos Correa has neck stiffness. That did not cause me to drop him in my, you know, mental rankings when we were doing our draft last night. We were considering taking him. Um, are, are you dropping him? No. Okay. It he, has to be a little concerning, though, right? Yep. Given that he missed so much time with a back injury last year and the backbone is connected to the neck bone. That's true. They are. That's most most everything's connected to, to the back. But the neck especially. It's right there. Yeah. It's yeah. just neck stiffness. Part of it. They're basically the same thing. He he might he might not be ready for opening day. It's it's possible. I hope there's not an IL stint here for Carlos Correa. It's neck stiffness. Let's let's call him day to day for now. Nick Senzel is in a walking boot for the next one to two weeks with an ankle injury. A fairly serious ankle sprain here for Nick Senzel. When do you think we see him? Not until May? mid-May at the earliest, I would say, at this point. This is a guy who I may have drafted and would drop for Tatis. Gotcha. Sure. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress is going to throw live BP today. That was the pick that we made that got the most 
angry reaction from the rest of the league last night. We took Jeremy Jeffers very late. I think the only thing yeah. that ruins him is if they sign Craig Kimbrell. Otherwise, I expect him to lead the Brewers in saves. Yeah, I was I I had him in the queue for what three rounds. <laughs> there, there's two things here because we and I don't remember who. I, oh, at that point in the draft, we had Malik Smith and Jeremy Jeffress, and we were picking right in front of you guys. And we thought it was more likely you'd take Malik's than Jeffress, so we took Malik Smith, and then you took Jeffress, and we were very mad about it. My only hesitation is it's not like he's healthy. Like, he's got a shoulder injury. He's maybe going to throw BP later this week. I don't really expect we're going to see him before mid to late April. So? And it might be we don't see him at all. Oh, uh, okay. It well, might be, but it was DL. a 15th round pick and a 16 team draft. So. Right. I'm just saying that's why he was in our queue for two to three rounds because I, I am a little bit concerned that, I mean, a shoulder's just almost as bad as an elbow. Okay. So that was pick 230. Just one between them. 238, uh, Jeremy Jeffress. And then Nick Senzel was actually the next pick. Uh, more news. Ryan Brazier is on the opening day roster. Now we are expecting Matt Barnes to get the first crack at it, but like I personally, we own Matt Barnes in the 16 team league that we did. Uh, I, I would have wanted Brazier as well. He was drafted later. And I don't, I think that's a, you know, it's a good speculative pick. So Brazier on the opening day roster. I did not think that was going to happen because he was dealing with an injury. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has done hitting drills. Uh, the White Sox officially promoted Eloy Jimenez. And Justin Ooh. Upton will begin the season on IL with turf toe. So it has been a rough spring training for Justin Upton. We touched on it a little bit yesterday. Uh, Peter Borges will get an increase in playing time. Uh, what do you have? You still have the same types of expectations for Upton? Just no. It when he's healthy, or you think this could be a bad year? He was pr- of of the guys that are not out for the year or definitely out for a significant chunk chunk of time. He was the guy that fell the furthest in my rankings. I had him as like a top twenty five outfielder. I would not take him in the first ten rounds now. And it's turf toe such a bad name for this injury because it sounds adorable. It's like oh, he's just got a a, a case of turf toe, <laughs> and it it's actually a really really bad injury that tends to keep guys on the sidelines or or limited for a lot longer than you would think. I had turf toe once. That's adorable. It it wasn't. <laughs> it hurts really bad. Mm. Old guys get turf toe, from what I understand. I was like 17. <laughs> so, yeah, old old soul. So, uh maybe you guys know more than I do, but on CBS Sports HQ tomorrow, you got to tune in. We have awesome opening day coverage and we're going to be on it, too. So CBS Sports HQ, if you have like a Roku, if I have a Roku, there's Apple TV, uh, Amazon Fire, all that stuff, any connected device, download the CBS Sports app and you can watch HQ for free, 24-7 streaming, and we'll have opening day coverage, you know, as the games are going on. And I think, I think, start at noon, do you guys know for sure? I think it starts at noon tomorrow, um, an hour before Not the games sure. start. That but, sounds right. Yeah, I, I'll tweet about it and keep everybody updated, but please watch us. It'll be a lot of fun. You'll see the greatness of CBS Sports HQ. If, if you're watching the video tomorrow at noon Eastern time. On CBS Sports live. HQ. Live. Watch. But didn't I just say that? We were just confirming. Oh, yep. okay. <laughs> uh, great. So today on the show, uh, now that we've talked about Tatis and all the other news, we got some buy or sell. We've got some bold predictions. we got some week one help. We might save the bold predictions for tomorrow when Scott is back. 
That probably makes sense, actually. We have a look at the most added list, which includes a lot of interesting pitchers. Like, I, I think I should maybe be a little bit more open-minded on Eric Lauer. Uh, his last five starts of 2018, he had a 107 ERA, nine walks, 25 strikeouts, and 25 and a third. And he is the opening day starter for the Padres, who have some exciting arms. So we'll talk about guys like that. Um, buy or sell, I, uh, I mentioned that. Okay, let's recap just a little bit. The For the People Podcast League, a 16-team league, Wild Wild West. How many pitching spots was it? Seven. Seven. Okay, five-by-five head-to-head categories, seven pitching spots, quality starts instead of wins, OBP instead of batting average. Fun league, stressful league. Um, We picked back-to-back. I don't know what you're talking about. 14th and 15th, Team Creeth, which is Chris and Heath, and Team Scam, Scott and Adam. And once again, Scott and I like our team which has never been a good thing in this league. How did you guys do? And Oh, I love our team. Really? Let me see your team. <laughs> I and I would one of my favorite things about this league is I would guess our um our drafting experiences are a lot different. Ethan and I basically never like veto each other. I would assume you and Scott probably have a little more problems with that, right Adam? Um, not really. Like, Scott kept vetoing my Jeremy Jeffress pick, which ended up being a good thing because we got him, like, three rounds later. Uh, there were a couple picks that Scott made that I didn't love, but for the most part, we were on board. And then I, I made him take, <laughs> I made him take Greg Bird. Uh, well, our, our experience is different, definitely different because you both participate in the entire draft, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Except I, I didn't, the last two picks I didn't had a make. mishap. And I couldn't get to the draft on time, but I was for the third year in a row. I was there in the third round, and then there were two picks where you just disappeared. I was writing. Yeah. I was doing my job. Yeah. <laughs> so, so previously, I had just I got off the train at the wrong stop. Like that that happens to everybody. What? I'm sure everyone listening can relate and to then, just getting off the train at the and wrong then stop. I, and then I my wife called me because she was going to pick me up, and I said, "Yeah, I'm here." And she was like, "Yeah, I'm here too." And I was like, "No, you're at the wrong station." And then I, like, 15 minutes later realized. The only oh, time 15? I got legitimately mad at Chris was when he chose Matt Chapman over Travis Shaw. And I had made every pick up to that point, so I felt like I had to go with what he said. And the other thing that's really stressful about that is we're not in the same room. And right. so a lot of times I'm texting Chris saying, okay, which of these two guys do you want? And there's 20 seconds, and there's a little dot, dot, dot on Chris responding for the next 20 seconds. And then I just have to hit a button. Once again, I was writing the yep. Fernando Tis news break. Tatis. <laughs> what? Tatis. Tatis. Fernando Tis. Yeah. I said Tatis. No, you didn't. You definitely <laughs> and if did I that. didn't, I meant to. Yeah. Context clues, guys. Okay. So, by the way, speaking of Travis Shaw, we had a very difficult decision to make. Justin Turner or Travis Shaw. Uh, we went with Turner. But Scott had actually a very good idea at that point in the draft. If you're still doing a draft today, this was a this is a deep league, okay? Right, 16 teams, head-to-head categories, fairly smallish lineups, but still it's deep. And he said we should take Glaber Torres and Travis Shaw back to back because they both have dual eligibility, and that is really big. And this is rounds five and six we're talking here. But what is that? What's uh, you guys see. did take Glaber Torres way too early? Like, no, we no, we did not. That's we we took him seventy seventy eighth over seventy ninth overall. That's not too early for Torres in a league this deep where second base no longer has Scooter Jeanette and he's and he's dual eligible. 
So then okay. we, we took Justin I, Turner over Travis Shaw, but you know, we were thinking about Shaw with our next pick. Uh, just I would just say, and, and Heath probably disagrees. I think Justin Turner is a lot better than Travis Shaw. I think Shaw, Shaw's good, but I think Justin Turner is just much better. I, I think he is much better on a per game basis, especially in a 16 team league where it, replacement cost is much, much lower. I think the odds of Justin Turner producing more numbers by the end of the year is lower. Right, and that's Maybe. a good it's a good point. In a deeper league, you have to think about replacement player. So, okay, I just want to say this about my team or our team, team scam. I'm not going to go through the whole lineup. The hitting, I think the hitting is pretty good. Uh we took Chris Sale with our first pick, 14th, uh, 15th overall out of 16, and then we took Ronald Acuña with our second pick. But we have sort of a tweener pitching staff. Like, it's not super relief heavy. It's not starter heavy. It's Sale, Tanaka, Lucchese, and Musgrove. Uh, Rysel Iglesias, Wade Davis, Matt Barnes. That's our starting seven. I imagine Jeremy Jeffress will be a fourth closer, and we'll go with Sale, Tanaka, and then one of our starting pitchers. We have some guys on our bench, Alex Wood, Wade Miley, Jesus Lazardo. Or maybe we'll just go with a middle reliever and get ratios. We didn't fully commit to either one, but this draft, they don't feel like a lot of teams went super close or heavy. So we actually could do pretty well in saves, ERA, and whip every week with just three closers. And if Jeffress does become a fourth closer for us, I think we'll be in good shape. So I'm, I'm excited about this team. I think we have a playoff team. Uh, you guys give me a quick recap of your teams and, and what you did. I, so I guess my takeaway was, I wish we had maybe committed a little bit more to one pitching strategy, but I still think we can pull this off. Go ahead. Yeah, I think we we kind of ended up with a somewhat similar pitching staff in terms of it's not heavily weighted one way or the other. I think we have seven starters and four relievers, um, but we also didn't invest a ton in our pitching staff, so not yeah, not surprisingly, our our pitching is. Or, or our hitting is much better than our pitching. Um, but we do have good ratios, guys. Guys like Shane Bieber, Hyunjin Ryu, you know, hopefully Julio Rios, and then a bunch of good relievers, even if they're not all closers. So I think the, the pitching staff could be okay for this format. Now, we're probably not going to win wins most weeks, but we're going to be competitive in the ratios, and that should be a good place to be. One thing we have is the ability to kind of go either way, depending on who we're playing. If we're playing a team with four closers, we'll probably try to win wins and yeah. try to win those those counting categories. Quality starts. To do that. Quality starts. Quality starts, yes. Nobody's going to win wins because yeah. there is, are no wins. <laughs> we did start this draft off with Aaron Judge and Francisco Lindor, so I felt like we had a huge edge on base percentage. We got a couple of home run guys, Gary Sanchez, Matt Chapman. We got a couple of steals guys in Malik Smith and Lorenzo Cain. So I think our offense is pretty balanced and should be tough to beat most weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have speed. Uh, we have Acuna. We are not going to win steals. And we were fine with that. Mm-hmm. And we said, like, we're not going to reach for steals. Uh, Scott wanted – Scott's number one stipulation was we are not going to take steal specialists unless the value is just amazing. He wanted – if we were going to get steals, it's going to have to be a well-rounded hitter. And, uh, oh, we took Ahmed Rosario, but he's a bench player for us. Uh, but yeah, and he's not really a steals guy. We're kind of hoping for twenty five. Yeah, he's right? not D Gordon, you know. Okay, yeah. so that's the for the people league. Sixteen team leagues are 
challenging, but this uh, shallower roster is here, so it's not like super deep. Well, well shallow starting rosters, but we took we had twenty four rounds. That's true. There's not much on the waiver wire. Yeah, you're right. It's deep. Let's do a quick round of buy or sell from Jeff. Buy or sell. Chad Pinder has more home runs than Matt Olson. Sell. Yeah, I'll sell that. Okay. Buy or sell from Scott. Corey Kluber is the fourth best pitcher in the Indians rotation. Sell. Yeah, I. the thing is, one of those guys is going to miss some time. And Kluber is the oldest and has the most innings on his arm. So maybe he's the most likely. That's the only way. I think one of my bold predictions was that Shane Bieber is the second best Indians pitcher in fantasy this year. Um, he doesn't have that many innings on his arm, though, right? He's only at 1,300 in the majors. No, that's that's pretty low. Um, He's been I'm injured two sure straight years. That's why I avoid Corey Kluber. I'm, I'm nervous about him. He, I think he had a knee injury last year. He's been able to mostly pitch through it. But he has been injured. Yeah, two he led. Years. He led the American League in innings last year. Yeah, he was at two hundred three the year. He before. struggled. He was not great though in the second half, and it's because he was pitching hurt. So I, I don't know. He he just kind of looks old, doesn't he? Like I know he's not that old. But he just looks. He's, he's going to be thirty three in a couple of days. Yeah, he's an old guy. He is, he's he's one of the guys who's older than you think. He's kind of like Josh Donaldson because he debuted so late. Um, but. The track record's still so good with him that, sure, there's injury risk with him, but there's injury risk with every starting pitcher. Every starting pitcher over 30 has elevated injury risk. So it's you go with the track record, and because every pitcher has a pretty high chance of getting hurt, I don't think you downgrade him that much. <laughs> and he did throw almost 800 innings in the minors. Yeah. Which is, I mean, he had a long minor leagues career, so he's over right. 2,000 professionally. He's at around 2,100 professionally, but like, I think Max Scherzer's around that just in the majors. It's Corey Kluber we're talking about. Next buy or sell, Frankie Montas finishes the year as the A's number one starting pitcher. Fine. Bye. I guess they don't have a number one starting pitcher and Jesus Lazaro is going to miss six weeks. So that, that gives Montas a, a head start. He, I mean, he has a new pitch and he had a very, very good spring. So I don't, I, of the guys currently on the roster, he's the best bet. Yeah. It's mostly just like who, who else would it be? Yeah. Buy or oh, buy sell. It. All right. Okay. Buy or sell. Josh Donaldson finishes above Vladimir Guerrero Jr. In runs, RBIs, home runs, OPS, and average. I will buy 60% of this. I don't think he's going to beat him in, in average for sure, and probably not OPS either. But just because he's going to be there on opening day, I think you take him in the counting stats. Yeah, it's it's interesting knowing that Vlad's likely going to miss the first month of the season. And knowing that Donaldson's 33 years old and has played like what 160 games the last two years combined, would you set the over/under on Donaldson's games played higher just because he's starting on opening day, even though he's far more likely to miss time? Well, he, he's not currently hurt. That's true. Uh, and he's in the majors. Yeah. So I would. I I, I think it's close. Yeah, but I think Vlad's re-injury risk isn't isn't nothing once he gets back because it's an oblique injury, and we've seen... And he's got a lot of oblique. He does. He really does have a lot of oblique. 
Uh, I mean, I, like we're joking about that, but you'd like to see him look a little better. I mean, I'm sorry to say it like that, but you know, if you're putting so many so many hopes in Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I I don't know that he's in good enough shape. Is that a well, legit I, concern? I it's a small concern. Yeah. Yeah, like he might be Miguel Sano who just can't stay healthy, but it's not like David Ortiz was a small dude. Yeah. And he didn't really miss time. Now, he never played in the field, so that's part of it, but I don't know how much of of a correlation there is, at least when you're 21 years old. Um I, I just don't know. Well, I mean, Rafael Devers talked about it last year as well, that he thought his weight kind of contributed. to. Something. I think it's a small risk. I will say it. I finished up my 14th draft. I think I have one that's one best ball league that's not quite done drafting. I have three teams with Eloy. I have two teams with Tatis. I have two or three teams with Victor Robles. I have zero teams with Vlad. Yeah, as of now, same here. I don't have nearly as many leagues as you. Uh, Sean says, buy or sell. Byron Buxton finishes as a top... 30 outfielder in all formats. I haven't drafted him yet, and his price has been lower than that, so I feel like I have to say sell. Yeah, I I could definitely see a path to Buxton finishing as a top 30 outfielder in uh, categories leagues if he plays 150 games this year. I do think there's still some upside. I've drafted him a couple of times in that 15th round range. But it's it's really hard for me to see where he gets the plate discipline to finish in the top 30 outfielders in a points league. Buy or sell from Kyle. Nomar Mazzara finally puts it together and hits 30 home runs. I was hopeful at the start of spring, and then he had like the worst spring he possibly could have. And so I'm going to sell. I don't think his approach has changed enough. Maybe they should have changed the approach, not the day before they got to spring training. Yeah, that that was my thing. <laughs> if, the, if he had started working on a new swing in November, I would have been much happier to buy in. Yeah, I'll, I'll sell that. He's he's at 20 every year. He's probably going to hit 20 this year. He hit 20 home runs last year, and seven of them came in an 11-game stretch. He was pretty useless other than that. That's no Marmazara. Buy or sell from Kurt. Alex Bregman will be a first-round pick in 2020. Bye. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a first-round pick this year. And he will back it up. Uh, buy or sell from Brody. Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell have a home by opening day. Sell. Why can we not get the Padres? You're going to waste a year of Tatis's eligibility. Go get Keuchel and Kimbrell. Sign them to four-year front-loaded deals and win a World Series in the next four years. Yeah, it's it's stupid. It is. Ah, uh, but sell. Uh, the great John Dean says, buy or sell, Manuel Margot goes 20-20 with a 270 batting average. Uh, sell. I don't think he's going to get enough. Pl- I don't think, I'm not sure anybody's going to get enough playing time in that outfield to go 20-20. Yeah, I'd probably sell on all the Padres outfielders over-unders for counting stats. I do think that Margot could give you that type of production on a per-game basis. From all things sports, buy or sell, Yoan Moncada goes 20-20 this year. Yo, I'm Moncada. I'll buy that one. I knew you'd buy it. He you have a soft some, spot. some real interesting stuff. Um, I think it was Nando that tweeted it out with his plate dis- discipline. 11 walks, just 16 strikeouts in the spring. And that's one thing that can become meaningful fairly quickly in the spring. And he was 17 and 12 last year. So, yeah, I'll buy it. Hey, guess who has no walks and 25 strikeouts in spring training? Travis Shaw, the mayor. That's right. He's he's not the mayor of Walk Walk City. <laughs> Wick Walk. He's City? not the mayor of spring training or wherever they hold their spring training. He's the mayor of Ding Dong City. Okay. 
Uh, Cedric Walter, buy or sell. Luis Castillo wins 15 games. Sell. That's, sell? that's ambitious. I've been the Castillo pessimist. Even I, as, as an optimist, I don't know that he's winning 15 games. It's not an easy thing to do. You should have right. ranked him higher, Heath. He's buying that. I've got him in my top 30 starting pitchers. You should have ranked him higher. Last one Nobody from Kyle. Bryce Harper outscores Mike Trout in points leagues. Sell. Yeah, sell. That could be like a bold prediction, but. That would be, yeah. that would be an Azer bold it, prediction that Chris would rip for not being bold enough. Yeah, I mean, he's my NL MVP pick, but, uh, it's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on that unless you gave me good odds. All right, when we come back from this quick, quick break, we are going to talk about strikeouts and guys who struck out a lot in spring training, like Travis Shaw, mayor of Strikeout, Strikeout City. And uh, then we have a look at the most added list and some week one help and your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, and we'll be right back. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. All right, guys, let's look at Travis Shaw and his terrible spring. Well, actually, the numbers weren't that bad. 269 batting average, 5 homers, 12 RBIs, but no walks, 25 strikeouts. This could be a quick segment. Travis Shaw, unbelievably bad plate discipline. Kristen Stewart for the Tigers had a bad spring, 2 walks, 23 strikeouts. Brandon Lau actually hit 377 with 3 homers, but 3 walks, 20 strikeouts. Eugenio Suarez batted 220 with 4 walks and 20 strikeouts. And Lewis Brinson, off to a great start in spring training, finishes at 278 with five home runs, two walks, and 18 strikeouts. Shaw, Kristen Stewart, Brandon Lau, Eugenio Suarez, Lewis Brinson, five players with particularly bad plate discipline. Does anything scare you guys going into the regular season? The thing that's really interesting about Shaw is last year he actually had a big jump in his walk rate to 13%, and his strikeout rate fell down to 18%. So maybe the only thing I would say about this is it makes me a little bit more concerned that he's going to go back to being a sub-10% walk guy, but not really, no. I think you have to be somewhat concerned. 25 strikeouts in 21 games or whatever, that's that's a lot, especially if you're not walking at all. Um yeah, I would I would downgrade him just a little bit. The the way I look at spring training and really any small sample size is it only really matters at the extremes. If you do and it's not really even results as much as it's like stuff like strikeouts and walks that are more process oriented. So, you know, that's right. that's where I think spring can matter. So you would like move him behind somebody like Matt Chapman. I'm not sure I necessarily if I knew Chapman was healthy, would have had him behind him. Gotcha. So I, the one that jumps out to me is Lewis Brinson. Ahead of him. You know, at the end of the day, it's not that great of a spring for Lewis Brinson. Mm-hmm. And sure, is, I, I guess he's still worth a flyer. But yeah, as someone who, you know, what was it three weeks ago when we did our auction? You know, he's one of my five outfielders. I have crappy outfielders. I'm, I'm obviously a little less enthused about Brinson right now. But, you know, worth worth a look still. A lot of talent there. All right, these guys are definitely worth a look. Here's the most added list. Some of the most added players in CBSSports.com leagues. I'm not going to go through all of them. 
But uh, Freddie Peralta's number one. And Peralta, yeah, how, how excited are you guys about Freddie Peralta? Obviously, he's in the Brewers rotation. His first, if you're playing the long week, he'll have St. Louis at home and Cincinnati on the road. So not exactly an easy start to the season. He had a 425 ERA uh, and a 1.14 whip despite 40 walks in 78 and a 30. Just didn't give up a lot of hits. 5.6 per nine last year. Uh, how excited are you about Freddie Peralta? I, there's a lot of upside there. He's, he's for me, right in that Sean Newcomb range of guys that can miss a ton of bats and just have to improve their control to actually be reliable every week fantasy starters. He, I, I view him as like a borderline top 60 guy now with the upside to jump into the top 30 or 40 with a good month. 72% owned. Are you going to start him, St. Louis and at Cincinnati? I mean, it's going to depend because the weird thing is we don't have a great idea on some of these pitching rotations. And so I would start him over most non-top 25 starters that I only think are going to start once. Okay, so who else on the most added list jumps out of you? Eric, I'm going to read the starting pitchers. Eric Lauer was a first-round pick in 2016. And like I said earlier, he finished the season strong. Was, you know, he didn't, uh, one, Eric Lauer in his last five starts had a 107 ERA, but he did not throw a lot of innings. Only one start of more than five innings. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, Matt Strom, Chris Paddock, his minor league numbers are just unbelievable. 182 ERA, 20 walks to a 230 strikeouts in 177 and two-thirds, a .80 whip. And Chris tweeted a, a kind of a highlight reel of Paddock striking guys out with his fastball, and he's just, I wish I had him on some teams. Michael. That's the thing that yeah. stands. I wrote a column about him. I'm 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 all in on the Padres. I'm a Padres fan now. I bought a Padres T-shirt <laughs> yesterday. I'm all in. They're my team this year. And I wrote a column earlier in the day saying that Chris Paddock was the first potential league winner on waivers. And I looked into both his minor league numbers, scouting reports, and then what also the scouting reports have kind of missed about him. And that's that. His fastball is really, really good. You know, most of the, the scouting reports have raved about the changeup. He has a slider and a curveball. I think he's developed a new pitch this offseason. But the fastball, you look at the start that he had on Monday, and it's the only stat start that we have the, the tr- stat cast data for, but he had above average velocity with his fastball, 93.8 miles per hour. So already he's starting from a good place. And then if you look into his spin rate, which is the thing that matters most for fastballs when it comes to swings and misses, he had elite uh, spin rate on his fastball. He had like the Astros using foreign substances kind of spin rate. Um, and so that that tweet that I that I posted that that had the highlights of him getting all the swings and misses with his fastball, he had ten swings and misses on thirty four fastballs on Monday night, which is that's awesome, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be that that could be a really really special pitch. It could be one of the best fastballs in the majors. He's the healthy one right now and the one that's going to start the year in the majors. I do think it's interesting comparing him to that group of pitchers that we think are in the 130 140 range in terms of an innings max for this year because 90 innings is the most he's ever thrown that was last year. Um, and there are guys that aren't going to start the year in the majors, but will probably be in that same range. I think Paddock needs to be owned over them now because he's not here now. But like guys like Josh James, guys like Julio Urias, Urias is in the majors now, and he he's going after Paddock is now. Sure, but the one thing I would say is none of those guys have numbers as good as Chris Paddock. It's it's only 170 innings, but 
every small sample size that he has has been completely unhittable. Yeah, and if everything goes right for the Dodgers, Luis Arias is probably in the bullpen in like three weeks if Kershaw and Hill come Julio back. Arias. What's that? What? And earlier I said yeah, Jose he, Arias. I don't even know who these people are. Yeah, I like if everything goes right for the Dodgers. They won't. They they don't. If everything goes right for the Dodgers, they're going to have two pitchers on the IL at all times because that's what they like to do. That's true. Uh, okay, so Paddock is on the most added list. Woodruff, Corbin Burns, like these guys are all excited. I mean, you look at Corbin Burns and his minor league numbers, and they were really good, except he was terrible in the PCL. But at every other stop, Corbin Burns had an ERA of 220 or lower. But just so it's so hard to know what to expect. He hasn't made a major league start yet. And then Woodruff, he made like four starts last year. His numbers as a starter were terrible, but that was mostly due to one dreadful start at Colorado. Um, he had a 6.32 ERA, but most of that was seven runs and three innings at Colorado and four starts uh, overall for Woodruff. So, yeah, look, everybody, we have talked about this list, and all these guys are really worth a look. But I think, except me, I don't know. Okay, two guys, Eric Lauer, Tim Beckham. Probably the two guys on this most added list, if you're watching the video, uh, that we haven't talked a lot about. And I doubt we have much interest in Tim Beckham. I know he had a very good uh, two games in Japan. He's playing shortstop for the Mariners. But, um, yeah, you tell me if, if you disagree. I, I imagine we don't care much about Beckham. What about Eric Lauer, though? There, There's potential there. Uh, I think he actually had a pretty good swinging strike rate with his fastball last season. Um, I just I don't think he has the upside of a Burns or a Paddock um, among this group, or, or Freddie Peralta either. But, you know... When we're talking about young pitchers, you, a lot of the times you're just talking about throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. And so, you know, that's what you should use your your bench spots for, is guys like that. Okay. That's a look at the most added list. We got a preview week one. By the way, email us at fantasybaseballcbsi.com. I will save some time for your emails. Uh, we'll do bull predictions and MLB predictions tomorrow. I have the Angels making the playoffs. What? So That's pretty terrible. Uh, I found the oh second wild card in the American League to be pretty tough. Uh, and, and the second wild card in the National League feels like there are like six teams that could make, get that. The American League is hot garbage. Agree or disagree? How many teams in the American League are even trying to win right now? Yeah, I, like I mean, eight? like the Indians, Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros. I think everybody should pick them to make the playoffs. Something crazy could happen, but those four teams should make the playoffs. Fifth team? Yeah, Tamp I know Tampa Bay is going to be trendy. Minnesota, Oakland, Angels? I don't I think one of those teams will definitely make it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes. But in the but they're not as good as like Colorado, Dodgers, Brewers, Cubs, Cardinals, three or four teams in the NL East. NL's much better this year, much more fun. Uh, hey, here's a quick Twitter poll. It's from KCJ for the USA. This is a complete non sequitur. has nothing to do with fantasy baseball. Can you do me a big favor? I am trying to convince my fiancé that Rudy earned his playing time by being gritty and hard work. She says that Rudy was just annoying and pestered everyone to play. I have no real followers. Could you do a poll to see what the consensus is? Regulate. You know, my generation gets gets hit with the Oh, you're the participation trophy generation and one, like the adults gave them to us, so like that's not on us. Don't put that evil on us. But also like 
Rudy is every boomer's favorite sports movie, and it makes them cry. I love it. That is the biggest participation trophy movie of all time. We're talking about sports are the ultimate meritocracy, and we're letting some five foot four dude who's not even good at football get in a game because he asks nicely. That's not why. It was a great YouTube moment. It was hard work and grit. It was hard work and grit. I can't believe. I definitely voted for being annoying and pestering, and so far that's winning the results. Lots of you're wrong again. Lots of people work hard at him. That's not the only thing that matters in this world. Like who did he even? This is stupid thing. Who did he even pester? He didn't pester anyone. In fact, he was demoralized. It was the rest of his team that started chanting Rudy, Rudy. That got him in the game. This is ridiculous. Rudy got in on right, his own Right, he got a participation merits. trophy. He got in on his own merits. And that movie I will amazing. say that this take is still much better than your tweet that directly preceded the Twitter poll. <laughs> Which is what? That you're wrong about the commissioner vetoed stuff? That I am wrong about the commissioner veto stuff when literally everyone agrees with me. I agree with you most of the time that commissioners should never veto. But I do think if they, there's a terrible trade that happens, like a newbie got Take ripped off. You have, you know what? You, Listen to me. You have never kicked one person out of the league, you tough talker. Oh, I have too. <laughs> I've done it. I've kicked people out of the leagues for that. Okay, guys. Week one preview. So if you're playing a four-game week, a four-day week, as opposed to an 11-day week, some teams are playing three games. Some teams are playing four games. It's it's split fairly evenly, I think. And it kind of makes a big difference. Like, you know, you're not going to sit like a three-game Aaron Judge for a four-game... Ryan McMahon, if that is even a thing, um, you know, you're not going to do that. But having one extra game when we're only talking about four versus three does make a difference. Uh, the Mets face Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. So that sucks. And I don't know. I mean, which Mets? Yeah. Would you like Pete Alonzo? Maybe not a great week to start Pete Alonzo in this short week. I'm trying to think of a Mets player I would want to start. I'd start Wilson Ramos for sure. Conforto, Cano. He's a catcher. Conforto I think you still start Conforto. Yeah. Probably Conforto, yeah. But I don't know if they have any must-start guys. Cano. Cano. Cano is a must-start guy, Yeah. given how short, uh, shallow. One thing I do want to say is um, I've been working with John Bowman, our, our new data science engineer who's working with the projections and him and I put together a schedule preview that you can get on Sportsline that basically just it weights the strength of the pitching matchups for each team and gives them a rank. So this year or this week, the Rays have the hardest. They've got four games against Houston. That shouldn't be a surprise. The Blue Jays have four games against Detroit. They have the best schedule. So it's something to check out on Sportsline if you want to see that. That's great. So Randall Gritchick, I think, definitely becomes a, a sleeper. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. The Yankees have three games against Baltimore, so I mean, start Aaron Judge, Greg Bird. <laughs> the, uh, we look at the well. We can get to the long week in a second. More week. Did you, yeah, go ahead. Did Did you get mad last night during my Greg Bird rant? Yes, I did. Good. Do we know if he's making the team? Yeah, yes. Like a hundred percent sure. Yeah. While Aaron Hicks he is text, out, he texted Adam when they told him. <laughs> No, I guess I'm not 100% sure, but yes, he's making the team. Uh, would you start Marco Gonzalez and Yusei Kikuchi at home against Boston? No. It, it's gonna depend. Um, but in a four, probably, 
I probably am at home against Boston. At Boston, I'm going to try to avoid starters, but at home against Boston, I probably, and I'm probably going to start Kikuchi most weeks unless he proves me wrong. Most weeks that he's not an opener because I don't expect him to have any innings concerns, those four starts that he makes a month when he's not an opener, but he will have one start each month and we should know when it is that he's only going to pitch one inning. Would you yeah, start just, he's, he's enough of a, a question mark still, and I do expect him to be good, but he's enough of a question mark that against a team like Boston, I'm fine. Missing that one. Would you start Tyler Glass now against Houston? No. No way. Probably not. I'd like to see it. Would you start Cole Hamels at Texas? Oh, yeah. We No, we know he can't pitch in Texas, Chris. Right? The only Re- reason he's good now is Revenge. because he's away from Texas. Revenge game, Heath. Cole Hamels hates Texas. Exactly. He's going to show them what they missed. He's probably crying right now. He's going to show them. What, either watching Babe or thinking about pitching in Texas. In all seriousness, would you start Cole Hamels at Texas? I would not. I would. Okay. Uh, would you start Jose Arena, Trevor Richards, Sandy Alcantara, or Pablo Lopez versus Colorado this weekend at home? I'd start, start Richard. That's it. I would probably avoid them all. I'm, I'm excited about them all, but I would want to, I'm, I'm taking a wait and see approach before I start them. Okay. No David Price for the Red Sox this short week. No Matt Strom for the Padres. Eduardo Rodriguez will replace Price. No replacement name for Strom. Both Price and Strom will start on Monday instead. So for the short week, here are some pitchers that you might want to stream. This guy is owned in a lot of leagues, but not every league. Marcus Stroman has Detroit, and then he has Baltimore. So you could get a two-start Detroit, Baltimore, Marcus Stroman if you're playing in the long week. 73% my, my favorite pitcher for opening day DFS. Okay. Uh, Carlos Rodon. He should be more on than that anyway. I don't agree in categories or roto for Strowman. Well, I agree he should be like 100% owned in points leagues. Agree to disagree, Adam. Uh, I will. Uh, Carlos Rodon, 55% owned at Kansas City. Yes or no? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm probably I'm I'm excited about what Rodon could be, but he did not have a good spring. He did not earn the opening day role. He just got it because they don't have any other pitchers to give it to. I, I, I don't want to. Sleeper. Not for this week, but for the season. Actually, for this week, because he's facing Kansas City. I'm interested in Lucas Giolito. I feel like he's got a, a breaking ball that's ridiculous. I like, I think there's a chance he's relevant at some point. Just want to throw that they out. They have three pitchers that have not actually been good, but that we could all see being good. Yeah, Giolito, he's another guy who bought a tra- uh, rap soda. Trap Soto, what's it? Rap Soto. Rap Soto. Yeah, one of the pitching devices and has been working on refining his arsenal and trying to get back the uh, the curveball that made him such a good prospect. So definitely someone to watch. Uh, would you start Tyler Anderson at Miami, 22% owned? Real quick, guys, go for it. Yeah. I think you're starting like 80% of Major League starters if they're in Miami against that lineup. San Diego pitchers are facing San Francisco, so all the guys we've talked about, you can give them a look. San Francisco pitchers are at San Diego. You know, it's not, it's not like San Diego is such an easy matchup now, but I think we have some interest in Jeff Samarja just on the whole. Derek Rodriguez, uh, Greg Holland, Derek Holland rather. I think, I think they have a four game set and all those guys are going. So you could take a look at them. And how about these Milwaukee pitchers that we've been talking a lot about? They have St. Louis this week. Are they good enough to start against St. Louis? Peralta, Woodrow, uh, yeah, Peralta, Woodruff, Burns, etc. I think you probably want to just let them go. It's another one like Miami where none of them are proven enough that 
you're going to start them against a, a what should be a, a tough matchup in St. Louis this year. The one thing I will say is I'm probably not picking up another another reliever if Woodruff or Burns is a spark for me. I'll probably just start them as a reliever. Sure. Uh, if you have the long week, the 11-day week, the Yankees have great matchups, Baltimore, Detroit, and at Baltimore, nine games. The Nationals have tough matchups, the Mets, the Phillies, and the Mets, and they have eight games. I, I gotta be honest with you, this was a tough exercise to do. Maybe Chris has more information about this, but I could not find a lot of teams with good or bad matchups. Plus, not all the pitching rotations are set right now, so. I think the Mariners only have eight games too. Okay. Um, I love Hyunjin Ryu. You should start him. He has Arizona and San Francisco. Yeah. Walker Bueller is honestly a questionable start for me because I believe he will have Arizona and at Colorado, and they've taken it so slowly with Walker Bueller. I don't know what to recommend, guys. Uh, what would you do with Bueller? I, I do believe that his second start will be at Colorado. His innings are likely to be limited early on in the season, at least for the first week or two. So I, I think it's fine to to sit him in week one. That's crazy. You know, either format. But don't sit him for a bad pitcher. Right, but in either format, really, because he might not have the the volume to carry in head-to-head, and Colorado is just it's a tough place to pitch for anyone. Luke Weaver, uh, I don't know that I'd be willing to start him. I think his two matchups are going to be at the Dodgers and home against Boston. So yeah, no. you can own him, but I don't know that you start him. And if somebody drops Luke Weaver... You are a lot of pitchers. Well, that is the other thing. It's like, first of all, no, I'm not. There's not that many pitchers. Uh, no, right, I'm not these sitting are all that guys many pitchers. in like the 50% owned range. They're not even going to be on everyone's roster. And then I think people are going to be tempted to look at Domingo Armand because I believe he will have Detroit and then at Baltimore in two starts. I'm not sure he gets any quality starts. Uh, I don't, there's talk about him piggybacking with Luis Sessa. I have no idea how this is going to work out. I must say that. But Detroit and at Baltimore is, is enticing in a deeper league for Erman. And maybe it's worth it. But just be aware there might be an innings cap. First yeah, time, first time through the, the rotation, keep, there is an innings cap for everyone. So. Yeah, yeah. And the thing to keep in mind when you're talking about an opener is yes, it does limit the, the potential for a quality start. But in theory, it makes you more likely to pitch an extra inning because you're avoiding the top of that lineup that third time. So, in theory, no, I think he could go. Mon s- would open, I, I think, and then Sessa huh. would replace. Okay, look, I well, I honestly don't sense. feel comfortable enough saying it because it was just something I read and I, I don't know for sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I had read it too. I just thought it was the opposite. Okay, it might be. I don't know why they would Maybe do that with Greg the wide open. Yeah, they should. Time for your emails. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. This is from Nick in New Jersey. He says, hey, Brandon, Vincente, Randy, and Brett. Phillies rotation from the early 2000s. Ah, nice. Okay. I know you guys mentioned Strom in passing when talking about Matt, uh, Chris Paddock. Where does Matt Strom rank with Brad Peacock, Brandon Woodruff, Trevor Richards, Steven Matz, and Joe Musgrove. I'm looking for upside. Strom, how does he compare to Peacock, Woodruff, Richards, Matz, and Musgrove? Peacock's the only one I'd definitively put ahead of Strom. I mostly have interest in Strom in leagues where you can use him as a sparp, and in those leagues I'd rather have him than Richards and Matz. If you can't use him as a sparp, I'd probably rather have Musgrove. I do think Musgrove's going to be a little bit safer in terms of innings. A little worried about Strom's innings, but there's a lot of upside. You tried to well actually me, Heath, but I was right. I didn't even say anything. I know, but you gave me a look. 
about the Phillies? It was the the 2002 Phillies or <laughs> early 2000s. So, uh, from Pete, what do you think about Drew Pomerantz as a spark in points leagues? I, I think he's really really bad, but he is a good park. Yeah, I think he could be good in the in that rotation or in that park. And I, I tweeted about this the other day. Most years. We'd be talking about Drew Pomerantz. We'd be still excited about Ryan Yarbrough and Yanni Chirinos for the Rays. We'd be talking about Jordan Lyles even for the Pirates. But there are 14 Sparps that I am excited about this year. There are not so many. You don't have to reach to this level. Okay, next email is from JT in Boston. Hey, Tony, Lucky, Sonny, and Alfred. (laughs) Am I supposed to know this? I did. Well, he, he put the note. I I thought it was Sopranos characters because I've never seen the show and it just sounded like it. It's serial mascots. <laughs> yeah, how about that? So Tony the Tiger, who's Lucky? The Tricks Rabbit or something? Or the Lucky so. Charms? Lucky Charms guy, yeah, maybe? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. Sonny apparently is the Cocoa Puffs guy and Count Chocula's name is Count Alfred Chocula. Uh, that's pretty funny. With Josh James and Jesus Lazardo hurt and Paddock seeming to rise out of this category, can you name some reserve round starting pitchers that could be big sleepers? I still think James and Lazardo belong in that category. Sure. Yeah, it just you'll have to you'll have to stash them and is Lazardo on the the MLB IL? No. Okay, so that's gonna make it tougher for both of those guys, but I mean, names that we've talked about a lot, those Marlins guys, the Padres guys, the Brewers guys. I think all have sleeper potential. I can give all the actual names if we want, but we've mentioned them a bunch today. Um, but yeah, I, I think those three rotations in particular have a lot of sleeper potential. And I'll say, I mean, we just talked about him, but Luke Weaver yep. in drafts that Chris and I are not in is actually available in the reserve rounds. <laughs> Scott really likes Joe Musgrove. He was excited to take Joe Musgrove in our 16-team league draft yesterday. And I like taking Sonny Gray. I'm hoping that a change yeah. of scenery will help. Look, if Same. these guys don't work out, you drop them, no big deal. Except, like we're saying, if you believe in Luke Weaver, you gotta give him a little bit of patience. Dodgers and Red Sox with his first two starts, it might get off to a bad start. Uh, you know, don't be so quick to drop him. This is from Ed from the Pacific Northwest. Gentlemen and Adam. With Scooter Jeanette down, <laughs> lol, uh, I'm in a hole at second base. The best available option in our league was Adam Frazier, so I picked him up. But I also have Ryan McMahon on my bench, but our league requires 15 starts to gain eligibility. Another owner has offered me his Jose Altuve for my Jose Ramirez. So he could put in Altuve at second base, and then he could put Justin Turner, who's on his team, at third base. It's a mini dynasty league. Each team keeps five players each year for as long as we want. So should I give up Jose Ramirez? For Jose Altuve to fill that Scooter Jeanette void at second base. So it's Jose Ramirez for Jose Altuve and half a season of Scooter Jeanette, basically. Yes. That's the thing I don't like about this. Yeah. Is I I don't I think Adam Frazier's I mean he's obviously not on the level of any of these guys. I think he's going to be a fine fill-in for a couple of weeks. I do expect Ryan McMahon's going to have second base eligibility in a couple of weeks, even in a league that requires 15 starts to gain eligibility. 
And so I really think you can piece together second base, and I'd rather have Jose Ramirez than Jose Altuve. So I'm going to pass. Yeah, I think particularly in, in a dynasty league, he's a little younger than Altuve. Omar from Buffalo. I haven't heard you talk about Teoscar Hernandez. He's had a nice spring. Is Teoscar Hernandez worth rostering in a 12-team, five-outfielder categories league? He has pop. Not really sure he has all that much else. Um, and a guy who has pop and doesn't hit for average isn't that hard to find. I, I'm not saying he's not worth rostering. He's just not a priority for me. Okay, this is from Will. In a head-to-head daily categories league, it's a keeper league. I am the Mookie Betts owner. I've been getting offers for him since the draft. Uh, what would you guys give up? Uh, what would you guys rather give Mookie Betts or Mike Trout up for? You know, how valuable are these guys? At first, I was thinking two top 20-ish players could get me to bite, but the first offer I got was Kluber and Judge for Mookie Betts, and I just couldn't do it. So am I crazy to turn down Judge and Kluber for Betts, and what kind of offer would it take for you to move either Betts or Trout? I would take an offer like Judge or Judge and Kluber. You would do that? Yeah. I'm not 100% sure I would pull the trigger on it, but yeah, that that's the right range. Yeah, I would do like, personally, just because I don't love Kluber, I would do Judge and like Verlander uh, or, you know, something like that. But it does take a lot, and you're losing steals if you do a trade like that. Mm-hmm. But just think about it. Like when the draft started... I'd be pretty okay with trading my number two overall pick for pick 12 and 13. Yeah, I guess so. And that's kind of what you're doing there. Okay, this is from Hilarious310. Should I drop Yadi Molina for Danny Jansen? I'm fine with it. I prefer Jansen, but they're right in this very same tier, so just take the guy you like better. From Jordan, who is the best saves holds option? Saves plus holds option. Tony Watson, Michael Givens, Chris Stavinsky, Drew Steckenrider, Willie Peralta. I think Stavinsky's the best pitcher of the group, so I'd go with him. And he might be on the only team that actually has holds and saves. <laughs> That's fair. So, Davinsky, I just wanted to point out, you look at his overall numbers, they're not great from last year. There was an injury. His first three months, he had a 134 ERA, seven walks, 40 strikeouts, and 33 and two innings. And he was well on his way. Davinsky was well on his way to a third straight brilliant season. Um, so he's probably the best pitcher, as Chris said. Tony Watson, though, did have a great year with a 259 ERA, 72 strikeouts to 14 walks and 66 innings. Um, He's pretty good, too. So, yeah, saves plus holds. I think you just kind of go with the best guys. Chris and Heath, you're the best guys. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Kick them out of the league, folks. We'll come back tomorrow. Get ready for opening day with some bold predictions, some MLB predictions, and anything else that we need to talk about here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Thanks for listening, everyone. Talk to you Thursday.